if you want to create super fans, being good isn't enough. Even great isn't enough in some instances. You've really got to be super. Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza, and you're listening to Retain, the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. Today, I have a really exciting guest. Her name is Brittany Hodak. She's an international keynote speaker and award-winning business leader. She is widely regarded as a go-to source for generating and retaining super fans, as Entrepreneur Magazine has called Brittany an expert at creating loyal fans for your brand. She's also the co-founder of The Super Fan Company, a multi-million dollar fan engagement agency that has created successful campaigns and products for globally known products including Walmart, Disney, Amazon, Katy Perry, the Boston Red Sox, and many, many more. Brittany, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Lauren. I am thrilled to be here. Awesome. I'm so excited for our conversation today. There's so many exciting topics to talk about, but I think first things first, tell us more about yourself and how you built a name for yourself in the industry. Yes. Well, I, as you said, have worked in entertainment for a lot of my career. I am a mom. I live in Franklin, Tennessee, just south of Nashville. And while I spent almost all of my professional career working in entertainment at different record labels and with entertainment companies, I realized that I was really drawn to customer experience. I was really obsessed with what entertainers were doing to create these loyal super fans who were helping them go viral and helping them, you know, go from selling out bars to to selling out stadiums. And so as I started to study this idea of customer engagement, I went back to school, I got my master's degree in consumer behavior, and I really, you know, dove deeply into what it takes to have a successful customer engagement and retention platform for your business. And, you know, obviously, I know, you know, if you look at the most successful businesses in any industry, they are always the ones who are most customer centric. It is a 100% correlation. And so I just have become so obsessed with the people who are doing it right and the brands who are doing it right across every industry. And I just love advocating for customer centricity and amazing customer experiences. That's awesome. It's so exciting because you've worked with so many interesting different brands and probably seen such a perspective on different marketing strategy and what it means to be customer centric. So I want to kick off talking about your book because I know you have a book coming up and it's really exciting. And you just showed me the cover that just got freshly printed, which is really beautiful. So I want to dive into this because that's literally what the whole point of our podcast is about is how do you create customers that are diehard fans of your brand for different companies all across different industries, different markets, different regions. So I know you have a five-part framework in that book for creating super fans. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and explain what that framework is all about? I can't yes, and I'm going to show you the copies because as it's you said, so Lauren, beautiful. I just got these. Like they just got delivered about an hour ago to my house, so I'm just now seeing my book in person for the first time, Ooh. and I'm totally biased, but I love it. I think it's beautiful, and yes, as you said, it's all about how anyone in any industry can turn their customers into super fan. And I told you this has been an obsession of mine for a while. And what I really wanted to do was come up with a framework that anyone could use, whether they were with a brand new business or a centuries old brand. And so I spent years 
developing and testing this framework, working with people both in consultative settings and getting feedback as a keynote speaker, traveling all across the world. And it's a framework that I like to call the supermodel. Love that. Number one, because it's fun. <laughs> and everybody gets to say that they know a supermodel. <laughs> but it's true. It's if you want to create super fans, being good isn't enough. Even great isn't enough in some instances. You've really got to be super. So super is a five-part acronym that we can go through in detail if you want, or you can ask some questions, but really it's designed to cover every part of customer engagement, sales, marketing, operations, and all of the other touch points that we need. Because I think one of the biggest mistakes in the way companies are structured today is the silos that exist. So you have employees thinking, oh, I'm in the marketing department. So that thing they're asking about isn't my problem, or oh, I'm in the sales department. So like somebody else can do that, or I just do ops. And obviously a customer doesn't care what department you're in. Like if you're wearing that name tag, either metaphorically or literally, you represent the company and their problem is your problem. And nobody wants to hear like, oh, that's somebody else's problem, or I'm going to transfer you to somebody else, or let me get so-and-so to help you. You've got to be able to take ownership. And of course, there are things that are going to be beyond your control, but you've got to know how to communicate with the customer in a way that makes them feel seen and heard and validated and like you're the person taking care of whatever it is that they need. So my framework or the supermodel, as I call it, is S. Start with your story. U, understand your customer story. P, personalize. E, exceed expectations. And R, repeat. And that framework is designed to be simple to teach, simple to implement, and most importantly, simple to measure and iterate on because, you know, so often people come up with these customer experience frameworks or journey maps or service blueprints that look like they're, you know, a Boeing Dreamliner manual. Yeah. And then they're like, why is nobody following this? And it's like, well, nobody's following this because you gave them a 435 page manual <laughs> and said, here, go learn all this and like be a robot. So I wanted to create a framework that was simple for anybody to grasp, really internalize, and then be the brand because your brand isn't just your logo, as you know, right? Your brand is every single person on your team, every interaction that's happening all the time. Absolutely. And I love that a lot. It's so simple, so easy to understand, but so effective. And I'm assuming that you have all these great strategies and ideas while in the book. Definitely will leave some suspense for the book as well, because <laughs> I definitely want to pick up a copy of it. And I know a lot of people listening to this will as well. But I want to jump a little bit more into, so obviously you have the different parts of the acronym of SUPER. And you talk about things like personalization and understanding the story and behaviors of customers. How does that translate to a company changing or coming up with a new retention strategy? So this is such a great question. I think where people go wrong with retention strategies, they think about retention when they think they're about to lose somebody. It's like the superhero that's like swooping in to save the day. That's like, but wait, like give us another chance versus treating customers so well from day one that they would never dream of leaving, right? Your retention strategy starts before anyone gives you a dollar. It's how are you making them feel? What is the experience of working with you like at every step? And one huge mistake that a lot of companies make is treating prospects 
better than they treat customers. And this is such a terrible business model. Even before the internet, it was a bad business model. But now when it's so easy for customers to talk to each other and to see what other customers are getting access to, you can no longer dangle something in front of your prospects lock them into a contract and then treat them less well because they are quote unquote trapped with you. Because what are they going to do? They're going to then leave as soon as they can, either breaking a contract or leaving as soon as they can. And they're going to tell everyone what a terrible experience it was. So I encourage companies to think about retention as part of the overall experience from before they ever get that first check. Like, what are we doing to treat this customer so well that they would never dream of leaving? That we become their category of one. Like, we're no longer part of the consideration set. We are the consideration set. Like, even if it's a commodity that we're selling, people aren't going to dream of going anywhere else because we're treating them so well that they would never want to go somewhere else. Yeah, I love that a lot. And I guess you've probably worked with slash seen many brands that are refocusing their strategy towards retention being from before the customer is even a customer and it's a prospect all the way to the lifetime value of this customer. So have you noticed some challenges along the way when people focus on customer retention? Like what stops them or what are some obstacles that pop up when they focus on retention? Well, I think a lot of times it's, like I said, a little too little too late. And other times it can feel a little transactional, right? It can feel a little desperate. Like we're giving you this so that you don't leave versus you just want to stay because of how great things are. It's the same, like think about it as a relationship, right? Like how would you feel if you were thinking about getting out of a relationship with someone and then all of a sudden they were like, but no way, like I can be so much better, right? It's like, well, but where was that this these past six months, right? Yeah. Like I don't want to wait until you're telling me that you can be better. Like you should have just been better. And so again, I think with retention, absolutely, you have to know the lifetime value of your customers. Absolutely, you have to know what the signs are that somebody may be considering, you know, ending that relationship. Attrition is a huge problem that you, you've got to track both internally and externally. But by focusing on the behavioral changes that you can make sooner in that customer's life cycle, what you'll find over time is that the retention strategy becomes less and less of that fire drill or, oh no, we've got to figure it out right now. Because as I've said, you've got people who would never dream of leaving because of the way they've been treated from, you know, before the sales process started, all the way through the onboarding process, while they're using your product or service, while they're engaging with everybody on your team. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's so important seeing it as a full-blown journey, not just a backup plan when someone seems like they're about to leave. And so one thing I do think, though, is we talk about all of this, but it can be a daunting task, I think, because there's so many things that fall under that. Like you just mentioned all these different questions that you need to be thinking about slash challenges that can come up. So are there some questions that are really helpful for companies to start working on or kind of guide them? Because I feel like companies sometimes don't know where to start or how do they audit themselves to redo their whole strategy. So are there some questions that are key questions that companies should be asking when thinking about their retention strategy and redoing all of that? Yes, absolutely. Customer experience and employee experience have to be cross-departmental to work, right? That's why I'm such a huge advocate for having somebody in the role of chief customer officer or chief experience officer, because a lot of times a mistake that I see companies make is making decisions like at the C level without talking to customers. 
and without talking to the employees who are on the front lines, talking to customers every single day. So like if you've got a customer success department or an enablement department or a support department and the concerns that they're hearing from customers aren't being taken into account, you're going to find yourself having to do more like retention plays because people are going to be more likely to leave, right? Because their concerns maybe aren't being heard. So one of the things is making sure that you're collecting voice of customer and voice of employee data on a very regular basis. But I'm a huge proponent of listening. Like it has never been easier in the history of the world to hear what customers are saying about you, both solicited and unsolicited, structured and unstructured. So you've got to have voice of the customer programs to be collecting and analyzing that data and then acting on it in real time. But you also, depending on you know the size of your company, this may be something that you do in a one-to-one setting or a one-to-many, it may be more qualitative, it may be more quantitative, but asking your customers what they think, asking what you're doing great and what you could be doing a better job of and making sure that your customers are being told the same thing about your company from all of your employees. So the reason that the first step of the supermodel is S, start with your story, is because a lot of companies can't answer the question, why do you exist? What are you the best in the world at? And if the leadership of that company doesn't know, what are the odds that there's going to be one common voice among employees, whether you have six employees or 6,000, right? Do they know your superpower? Do they know what makes you better than all of your competitors? Because if your employees don't know why you're the best choice and how you stack up against everyone else out there, how in the world is the customer ever going to be able to figure it out, right? Or maybe they're going to have 57 different answers and some of them are right and some of them are wrong, but maybe you don't even know what those 57 answers are because you've never asked. So having a voice of the customer and a voice of the employee program where you're doing very active listening on a regular basis is a really great place to start. And then probably my favorite part or pillar of the supermodel for customer retention is E, exceed expectations. I talk all about a framework that I use. I believe there are only three types of interactions that exist with customers. The customer is going to leave the interaction feeling better, worse, or exactly the same. So figuring out the things that you can do to leave your customer better than you found them, to make them feel better at the end of the interaction than they did before. Or when you're having to deliver difficult news or something's not going as planned, how can you make that a neutral rather than a negative experience? How can you alleviate some of the pain and again, make it as positive an experience as possible given whatever has gone wrong? Yeah. And that's such a great answer because I think we talk about how to keep customers, but part of that was keeping them happy and exceeding expectations because obviously there's going to be times when customers are unhappy or they had a different perspective or a different, I guess, view on something that maybe your product doesn't deliver or something like that. So it's so important not only to have the retention in place, but also customer happiness and making sure that you have a really good way to handle negative situations because that's all part of the problem. And in terms of making sure that people actually want to stay, all that kind of stuff. So Do you have a company that, or a brand, sorry, that you've either worked with or just one that you admire that has done super fans really, really well? 
So I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. The one I'm going to start with is to the point you were talking about before of really looking for ways to create more of those net positive experiences. Earlier this year, I went to Legoland for the first time in Florida. (laughs) I've got a five-year-old little boy and a two and a half-year-old little boy. And we stayed at the Legoland Resort and we went to the theme park. And there was this elevator in our hotel that was so fun. It was like a disco dance party. Like no inside the elevator were wall to wall, floor to ceiling decals of Lego figures, like dancing. And there was a mirror ball hanging from the ceiling and there were lights. And every time the doors played and you press the button, disco music would play. So it was like ABBA and the Bee Gees. And it was so fun. And we stayed at the resort, I think it was four days. And it was not until the third day and probably my 10th ride on that elevator that I realized it was the slowest elevator I'd ever been on in my life. <laughs> like legit, the slowest elevator. I was like, wow, I've heard almost the whole song Dancing Queen and we're just getting to the fifth floor and like no one else is on this elevator. So it was so slow. But first of all, I didn't notice for right. days. And then even when I did notice, I didn't mind because it was so fun. It was an experience. My kids looked forward to that elevator ride every single day. They were so so excited to ride the elevator. They were like talked about the elevator nonstop. Like even after we left the resort, that was one of their favorite parts. So Lego was able to take this negative, which was like a small, slow elevator and turn it into a positive, right? It was something that. that... No, like I didn't even mind waiting on the elevator because I knew once we got in, it was going to be like just our family and it was going to be this fun dance party. And my kids were going to be like singing and going crazy. And like, it didn't even matter that they had like never heard staying alive before. It was like their favorite (laughs) song by the time we left the resort. So there are slow elevators in every business. And sometimes you're not going to be able to make the elevator go faster, right? There are going to be things that you can't fix with a traditional corrective measure But with a little bit of creativity, you can turn that slow elevator into a disco dance party. Like right now, there are parts of every business that are crying out to be turned into disco dance parties. You are bound only by your creativity because the thing about amazing customer experiences is it doesn't have to cost a lot of money, right? Right. Like nobody ever became a super fan because someone spent an undue amount of money on them, right? Just like you can't pay someone to love you. You're not going to pay someone to become a super fan. And I share examples in the book of big brands and small brands. One of the small brands that I talk about is a store called Finley's. And it's a retail clothing store that's here where I live in Nashville, Tennessee. They've got three locations and it's just a really cute boutique clothing store. Their motto is great people, pretty things, good vibes. And I'm like, wow, that's in six words. They tell you everything you need to know about the store and the experience, right? You're going to get great people. You're going to get pretty things and there's good vibes. And so mottos are shortened versions of your brand story. They tell customers what to expect. They tell customers what you're promising that you're delivering. So they, you know, started with a really amazing story in that six word motto and have gone from there. 
A big brand that does customer experience great is Chewy. And in the book, I share an example of how I became a Chewy super fan and my very first interaction with the brand. I love the example of Chewy because it's about as commodity as it gets. They sell pet food and medication (laughs) and toys, right? Like things that you can get anywhere in the world, but they've done it in a way that's highly personalized, highly convenient and designed to make every single customer feel like the most important one in the world. I actually think on Twitter the other day, I saw a story about how someone was a longtime Chewy customer. I think it was Chewy because that seems very familiar. I don't have a pet, so I don't buy pet food. But this name popped up, I think, because she was talking about how her pet had passed away. And obviously, she didn't need Chewy anymore because unfortunately, she wasn't buying food for her pet. And they asked her, is everything okay? Because she was a longtime customer. She wasn't purchasing from them anymore. And she had mentioned that her pet passed away, so she was no longer needing to buy this pet food. And rather than just saying sorry and leaving it at that, they actually sent this customer a basket of all these different things as a condolence for the pet passing away. And she was just saying, this is the most incredible thing I've ever experienced because they obviously did not need to do that. That doesn't help their bottom line by any means, but it was such an incredible special experience. And all these people now read this story slash she told so many people about it. She hopefully will get another pet and maybe obviously become a Chewy customer again, but it's such a unique, special thing. And obviously, like you said, money doesn't buy happiness. It's not like they sent her a thousand dollars and said, here, come back to be a customer. It's really about the importance of creating unique, special experiences to have the dance party in the elevator, like you said. So I really like that. And as part of all these examples that you gave, you talked about all these different interesting aspects to a marketing campaign. So I guess a different aspects of the customer journey as well. So what do you think goes into creating a really successful, engaging marketing campaign? Well, I think it's all about unique interactions with that customer. And I'm a big fan of something called the Platinum Rule. The Platinum Rule is another great book. It's by Dr. Tony Alessandra. And what Dr. Alessandra order, argues in the book is, you know, we all grew up with the golden rule, treat people the way you want to be treated, which is great. But it doesn't go as far as his platinum role that he introduces, which is treat people the way they want to be treated, because not everyone wants to be treated the same way. Not everyone wants to be treated the same way you might want to be treated. So in terms of how often you're communicating with people, how you're doing it, what it is that you're saying is so important. Obviously, with programmatic and various technologies, it's become easier to serve up personalized marketing campaigns to prospects and customers, which I'm a huge fan of leveraging technology. But ultimately, It's the human to human touches that are going to make the marketing most effective, right? It's talking to those employees, getting to know people who represent the brand, whether that's in real life or in a virtual setting. So I'm a huge fan for marketing campaigns of being clever, but also being useful to a customer. Like, how are you making their lives better? Going back to what I was saying before about those net negatives, net neutrals, and net positives. So much marketing is just net neutrals, right? It's like nothing burgers. It's just noise, not signal. It becomes like background information. When you can break through that with clever copy, something relevant to say, and a message that people are going to remember, that's how you start someone down that journey of becoming a super fan. So I think the biggest threat to businesses of all sizes that doesn't get nearly enough airtime is apathy, Like all the time I talk to people, especially in marketing, who say we've got an awareness problem. Not enough people know about our brand. And what I find every time, 
almost every time is that it's not an awareness problem at all. Plenty of people know, right? You can, you can buy eyeballs anywhere today, right? Whether you want them online, offline, whatever. Awareness is not a problem. Apathy is. Plenty of people know they just don't care and they don't care because you haven't given them a reason to. Super fans are created at the intersection of your brand's story and every customer story, that intersection where those two things meet. If you can't show someone why your brand is relevant to their life, you're never going to be more than background noise, right? They're never going to care because you haven't made your thing relevant to their thing. Interesting. And do you have... An example of when you felt that as the customer? Oh, so many examples of when I like, let's say even talking about Chewy before. The very first time I ordered from Chewy, it was prescription dog food for one of my dogs. He was like always having tummy trouble. We couldn't find a good dog food. And the vet was like, try this. I found on Chewy.com there, you know, you had to have a prescription. So I ordered the dog food and then I sent just a generic email to like, I don't even know, orders at Chewy.com or whatever the email address was and said, hello, here's the prescription for this order. Thanks. I got an email back seven minutes later from an employee named Kelly who said, hi there, Brittany. Thanks so much for sending Bear's prescription directly. And I was like, oh my gosh, she said Bear's name. Like I didn't use Bear's name. She had looked at the prescription and saw it. And then she continued in that email to say, you know, everything's said. And if you have any questions, let us know. Welcome to the Chewy family. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm part of a family now. Like, <laughs> this is cool. So sometimes it can be the smallest thing, right? It can be copy. And like, conversely, all it takes is one employee or one touch point saying something off brand or thoughtless to like really make somebody scratch their head. About a year ago, somebody said to me, only fat people run on treadmills. People who are in shape run outside. Oh my God. And you know who said that? The guy delivering my treadmill that I just got. I was like, what? Yeah. A Nordic track guy. He said he worked for like 12 (laughs) years or something. You don't want to hear that. Yeah. And I was like, I was trying to decide if he was joking or not when he said it. And he like kept doubling down of like, yeah, like in the gym, you go to any gym, you never see a skinny person on a treadmill. Like, you know, it's only people that are really overweight, like only fat people, like people who are in shape know that you run outside, like treadmills are terrible for your knees and like just going on and on and on. And he was like, but you're not fat. Oh, I bet you got a fat husband. And I was like, what? Oh my God. so crazy. He just kept making them all worse and worse. Yeah. I was like, thank you. Like, I'm, you know, and I'm thinking like, can you just get out of my house? Um, And he was like, so perplexed. And I was like, I have two kids under five. Like sometimes the only time that I can work out is at like one o'clock in the morning when my kids are asleep. Like that is why I need a treadmill. Not that it is any of your business. So now every time I I look at the Nordic track logo, like that's what I think about, right? Like, I don't think about like some ad I've seen on TV or even like how the treadmill works. Like it's, you know, it's a great treadmill. It's like a smart treadmill and there's all kinds of like interactive things, but I don't ever think about that. I think about the guy who said to me, only fat people run on treadmills. Every interaction is your brand. Every email that you send, like it all matters. It's all part of what customers are experiencing and then telling their friends about. Yeah, that's so important because even like the classic saying goes that like negative things travel far faster than positive. So it probably should be your number one priority to make sure that absolutely every single interaction down to the last word, down to the last email is exceeding those expectations. Because 
you can delight on the smallest amount of things to create an exceptional experience, but it's making sure that you have absolutely no negative experience because I probably wouldn't even forget that now that you've told me. So if I see these treadmills, that's probably the first thing that I would think about as well. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's so interesting because it can sound overwhelming to say like, you have to focus on everything. And the reality is your customers don't expect you to be perfect. They expect you to try really hard. And when you mess up, they expect you to fix it, right? Hopefully with empathy and understanding, that's what people are looking for. They're not looking for perfection. I mean, in some instances they are, right? Like if you're a surgeon or a pilot, like, yes, perfection is absolutely the bar. There's no wiggle room. But for the (laughs) most part, for what most of us are doing, like customers get it. They understand things go wrong. Like supply chains go sideways. Like, you know, people have bad days. But to be able to say, this is what we're about. We are all trying our best to meet or clear this bar all the time. And in those instances that we fall short, here's what we're going to do to take care of it because you matter. You as a customer matter to us. And we want to make sure that you know that. And that's really the key, right? Obviously, you have written so many articles, actually more than 300 from what I understand on thought leadership and how it works in different areas and applying it to different spaces. Can you talk a little bit about how big or small of a role you think thought leadership plays in customer retention? Oh, a huge role, right? A huge role, thought leadership, content marketing, because we're living in an experience economy, but also in an ideas economy, right? Branding your company and your leaders as the people who are going to solve your customers' problems is a hugely important component of marketing. And what I hear some people ask sometimes is like, oh, well, then what happens when somebody leaves, right? Like, oh, we don't want to invest a ton in this because like, what if somebody leaves? And it's like, so you'd rather just have a company filled with a bunch of people who aren't contributing thought leadership? Like, how is that a better strategy? How is that a solution? And again, if you're worried about your people leaving, it probably points to a problem within the company. Like, what is it about your company that is making you think that your best people want to be somewhere else? Like, that's something that you should address, not like, oh, we're afraid somebody's going to like go be more famous than our brand because they're writing, you know, articles for Harvard Business Review or whatever. Right, exactly. Do you have a, like a framework or a like an inspiration for how people should become thought leaders or is it rooted in experience and research and things like that? We're living in a world where everybody is an influencer and everybody can be a thought leader, right? Every single one of us has people who will take an action based solely on what we say. And I think the best ideas are always going to rise to the top. And my sort of framework that I use anytime I'm writing an article or I I tend to write a lot, there's a few questions that I ask myself. The first question is, who is this for? Like, who is the one person that this video is going to benefit? Because we all know in marketing, when you try to like attract everybody, you end up attracting no one. So who is it for? The second question is, what's the message, right? Not seven messages, but like, what is the message? And then why should someone care? Like, why should they care about that message? How is it relevant to them? And if you know who it's for, what you're saying and why they should care, you're going to create great content. And then the fourth question that I always ask myself about the content and, you know, is like the most important one is what now? Like at the end of somebody watching that video or reading your article or reading your book, like what's the next step? 
you don't want to just be like, good luck. Like yeah. I gave you this good luck. Like, where are you leading them to? Like, what do you, do you want them to do as a direct result of engaging with that content? Is it to engage with another piece of content? Is it to, you know, ask questions? Is it to go somewhere? Like, what is it? So that four part framework, number one, who are you creating this for? Number two, what are you saying to them? Number three, why should they care? Number four, what do they do next? If you use that four-part framework, you're going to create content that people will share because they'll enjoy it, right? That's why things go viral. It doesn't matter what network. It doesn't matter what medium. Something that makes somebody feel something and changes their opinion or their thought or their attitude in some way is content that they will share. And that's how you become you know, a thought leader or an influencer is by contributing content that makes somebody's life better in some way. Okay. I'm going to end off on one last question. I like to give people a thinker as a last little question. Is there a piece of marketing or life advice that someone shared with you once that has always stuck with you? You know, I love the advice that a no today isn't a no forever. And I think that's important to remember because sometimes what feels like a rejection is really just the universe saying, we're not quite ready for this yet. And anytime you get the opportunity to tell your story to someone, you're opening up the door for something to happen later down the line. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a lovely pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Lauren. It was so great to be on the show. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. To find out how you can turn visitors and occasional buyers into loyal, lifetime customers, head to Gameball.co. Make sure to subscribe to Retain the Customer Retention Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time.